This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Joining me on the podcast is a man who probably needs no introduction, Ryan Mickler. Check out orderofman.com. This guy's been in the podcast game for a long time. He's got a podcast that has over 45 million downloads. He's also an author. He's got a new book coming out in 2022. Plus, his son just started a podcast. He's 12 or 13 called Man in the Making, which is all about helping these young aspiring boys become men. Super stoked to have him on the podcast. Ryan is the real deal. He's also a hunter. It's just another bonus. This guy is very well spoken. He articulates his message, resonates with me. We're talking about all things order of man. Ryan Mickler, here we go. So the first guy I met that mentioned your name to me was Clint McGinnis, I believe is his last name. He was at an L-shaped camp. And I'm not going to tell, like, he uh, he actually made that camp so much better. I don't know, just in everybody's business, just getting everybody fired up and motivated. And I was like, who are you? I would pay to have you at these camps. And then he kind of talked to me a little bit about 
you and and uh he's been coming to order a man and i was like oh my gosh so he got us connected and that's kind of where this whole thing started and then i realized that you were a little bit into hunting as well and i know that you uh, are a combat veteran and a family man and i was like let's let's hang out let's talk so that's all i know man like like we were saying it was meant to happen yeah clint's been a friend for gosh, probably three years, four years. I met him through another mutual friend. Uh, and then he joined our iron council, which is our digital brotherhood. Um, but it's become much more than that. Like we get together face to face. He just came out here to my place in Maine, uh, two months or so ago, we had a big event that we ran out here with a hundred guys. He was out here very similar, of course, to what you just said. He's, he's there for everybody. He's getting people fired up. He's getting people motivated. He's sharing insights. So man, I've been pretty blessed to have guys like that in, in my life. And I know we run around kind of in the same circles, um, you know, with, uh, John Dudley, who I, I know, you know, and in the hunting world, you're much more immersed in it than I am. Uh, but, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of on the fringes of that circle, but man, just great people, wherever we go, you know, it's pretty incredible the the, the quality of, of men and women that we can meet through like doing a podcast, which I started six years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. So your podcast crushes, um, you've had, I don't know. I saw something where you posted millions of downloads, big time. Yes. Five million downloads. It's crazy. I'm like, people come up to me in the airport. Like my, my wife and I, and our kids, we just went to Utah, which is where we're from. We moved out here to Maine about three years ago and somebody in the airport saw me and he had to order a man hat on. He's like, Hey man, um, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate what you're doing. And still it's so surreal. I'm like, what? Like, he's like, I listen to all your podcasts and all I can think is like, why? Like there's so many better podcasts to listen to. Uh, it's still pretty surreal, but yeah, we've had like, I want to say 850 podcasts we've done. I've over, I've interviewed over 350, like high caliber men. It's wild, dude. It's wild. That's all I can say. Is there anybody you've had on where like you were nervous at all, or has it always just been whatever, super chill? No, like I remember, so I've had Jocko on three or four times on the podcast. Now he's become a friend, but the first time I had him on, I was very, very nervous. And I don't know what episode I want to say that might've been like, I don't know, maybe episode 50 or 60, somewhere in there. And I was still kind of feeling like I was getting my feet under me and I had him on the podcast and he was, he's still like this. He's very, he's very deliberate and very intentional with what he says. So he doesn't need to like articulate and explain a lot. He's like, this is just what you do. And I had him on the podcast and I would say like, Hey, how does a guy, I don't know, develop more discipline. And he was like, you just do it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, would you care to elaborate? He's like, no, you just do it. And it just felt like I grinded through that. I was nervous as it was. And I think he was trying to get his feet under him as well as like how to, how to communicate in the public eye as opposed to in, in the military. So I was super nervous for that. But outside of that, you know, I have some butterflies here and there for some potential guests, but I, I, I've learned that the best way to overcome that is, well, I'll say it this way. When you have, when you have your nerves, that's more about you than it is about serving the people you're trying to serve. Right. Cause you're worried about, well, what if, what if I look this way or what if I come across this way or what if he thinks I'm a fool or an idiot, that's all self-centered. If you come at it with, Hey, what do I need to get from this person? That's going to serve my audience 
audience? What would my audience want to hear? What's a good question that would elicit something that maybe this person hasn't shared before? That's not that's selfless, not self-serving. And it eliminates some of those those fears and, and those nerves that I've had in the past. Mm, there's a banger. All right, we'll keep them coming. Why did you guys move to Maine? Salt Lake City is out west. It's beautiful mountains. You're talking East Coast, which I'm not. I'm kind of allergic to, and you're talking a long ways away, and it ain't Salt Lake City, man. So, what got you there? What was the transplant? You know, transplant move like? Yeah, yeah. I actually wasn't even in Salt Lake. I was in Southern Utah, so oh. I was down at the southern end of the state. So more desert climate, like what you. If people aren't familiar, I think you are because you've probably been hunting there. But what you would think of when you think of like Las Vegas or Phoenix, we're only an hour and a half, two hours away from Vegas. So that that's where we were. Uh, you know, really my wife and I had been talking about going on an adventure. Uh, I had fortunately the freedom with the business at that point to be able to be location independent. Uh, and I came up here for a jujitsu camp. Jujitsu is something I've been involved with for about five years, four or five years now, uh, about four years. And one of my buddies who's actually a partner with Jocko origin USA, uh, he invited me up here for their week long jujitsu camp. And I said, sure, I'll go check it out because he was doing some podcast sponsorship for us. We, we were reading ads for him and whatnot. So I came up here and man, I just fell in love with the place. I was sending my wife videos. I'm like, Hey, check this out. Like, look how cool it is. And we were up here in the fall and she was back home in Southern Utah. She's like, yeah, of course it's beautiful. Now you're in the East coast in, in the fall. Like that's the best time of year. We should go back in the winter. So we actually came back out in the winter, December of that year. Uh, Pete put us up in his, his, his spare, uh, his spare house. It's an Airbnb. So he put us up there and she fell in love with it. We actually ended up putting an offer in on the place. It was the second time I'd ever been to Maine, the first time she'd ever been to Maine. And then we spent about six months after we put that offer in, uh, just working out the financing, working out the arrangements with the seller. Uh, and then in, in June, so we came out here in December of 20, I think that was 2018. And then, so June of 2019, is that right? Yeah. June of 2019 is when we moved out here. So it's, we, we brought, you know, us, obviously our four kids, our two dogs, we took like seven or eight days getting out here, traveling across the, the, the country, uh, dodging tornadoes. Like literally we were like just ahead of a tornado in Texas. It was crazy, but here we are two, almost two and a half years later now. And we love it. It's been such a great adventure for us. What was it like for the kids to m make the big move? Um, I mean, and how, what's the what's the age span there? Because that was like my first thought was like, okay, how are the how, the kids were probably super excited. Was it everything they thought it was going to be? Was it tough? Yeah, I think both. You know, our kids range at the time they were from eleven to three, so now thirteen to to five. So we've got a thirteen year old boy, a ten year old boy, a nine year old girl, almost nine, uh, and a five year old boy. So they were all young enough where, you know, they weren't in high school. My older boys weren't chasing girls yet. They were dabbling in sports. They had friends there. So that was hard, but they were ready for an adventure. And the thing that I realized when we moved out here, man, it just drew us so much closer together because we really, that's all we had to rely on. I didn't know anybody. I knew like seven people The the seven people I knew, they like to say they were the best seven people is what they'll tell you. But still, it was only seven people that we knew here in Maine. Um, obviously, my kids didn't know anybody. So it really drew us closer together. 
and, and there's pros and cons about being out here. When we moved out here, we decided, you know, we're going to homeschool our kids. This was before COVID stuff. So we had made that decision. And I kind of feel like at this point that was in God's hands. And, and fortunately we listened, you know, that was something we had talked about as homeschooling our kids. And we made that decision. And then when COVID hit, you know, everybody's like, racing to pivot and adjust and homeschool, like we were already doing it. So there wasn't a whole lot of adjustment for us. So we were pretty fortunate that way. Uh, you know, but we go back, like we just got back a couple of weeks ago from Utah. And even today, our kids are like, Oh, you know, I miss my friends and I miss this and that. And I miss sports. I get it. Look, I understand life's, life's a series of trade-offs. There's no decision that you're going to make. That's going to be hundred percent perfect. If we move back, they tell me, Oh dad, I miss having 50 acres and I miss hunting over our food plot that we grew and developed and cultivated ourselves. And, you know, so we're trying to make the best decision. We don't know like entirely if we're doing it correctly, but yeah, we're enjoying the ride. That's the biggest thing for us is just enjoy the ride. I like what you said, man. It is trade-offs. Uh, every decision, life is decisions. I completely understand that. And yet I completely don't understand that. It's just something as a grown ass man, I'm still, you just, you kind of reap what you sow. Uh, tell me about this order of man business. Cause you're an entrepreneur and I understand that, but I don't understand exactly the, how long you've been a solopreneur and then building into your, I think you got an empire growing. I think the best is yet to come from what I've seen. Tell me about how I got started. I'm really interested. Yeah. So, and and I, I really appreciate you saying the empire thing. I would have scoffed at that four or five, six months ago, but we actually just um, built the website and got all the feeds and everything ready for my oldest son, who I said was 13. Uh, we got him up and running. He's actually going to start his own podcast. January 1st is when his launches. So he, he bought a domain name and the domain it's called man in the making is what it's called. So man in the making.com, which is a very cool name and it wasn't cheap, but my son was like, I told my son, I'm like, Hey, look, this is not going to be a 10 or $15 website. This is going to be thousands of dollars. And sure enough, we ended up brokering a deal. It was about $3,800, $3,900. And I didn't pay for it. My son did. I and mean, we talk about that. But he's like, I don't know, Dad, that's a lot of money. I said, yeah, that's a lot of money. But think about what it could be and what it could turn into. And so I see this really being something that's not just me, but generationally. But I would have never thought that. Uh, I was doing financial planning at the time. I came back from Iraq and uh, I was doing retail management and I realized, you know, I don't, when I was in Iraq, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to travel across the States. I don't want to work nights and weekends and holidays and stuff. I want to be with my family, my wife at the time. So I took all of my uh, insurance and investment study materials back to Iraq. I came home on a leave and took them all back to Iraq. And in our downtime, I'd be studying insurance and investment philosophy and strategy. It was crazy. Everybody's watching 24 and I'm not going to say I didn't, but like while they were doing that, I'm studying like insurance, you know, health insurance and life insurance, which is so lame. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I did that when I got back. I did it for about nine years and I started a podcast for the financial planning business. It was called Wealth Anatomy. It was all catered towards helping medical professionals who were my clients with their financial planning stuff. And I realized, you know, I, I like the medium of podcasting a lot. So this was in 2000. 14-ish, somewhere right in there. And I'm like, man, I really like the medium of podcasting, but I don't want to have like these conversations. So I pivoted and I launched in 2015 Order of Man and it took off from day one. 
like beyond what I would have ever expected it to. And I realized very quickly I was onto something. So I did it for selfish reasons. I wanted to have good conversations with guys like yourself and other people who I was inspired by, who I could learn how to grow a business or how to get in shape or how to get into new arenas like hunting or jujitsu, how to start a business, how to grow a business. And so I had all this like one-on-one coaching and I just made it available via the podcast. And man, men just came out of the woodworks, loving what we're doing, realized that they were getting a lot of the same value that, that I was getting. It was very selfish. Uh, and then we, we created this, this organization to really give men the tools they need to thrive as a husband or a father, a leader in their community, whatever ventures and projects or businesses that they have. It's been a really cool ride over the past six years now, a little over at this point. I'm so I'm so impressed that you took off from the beginning and you listened to your gut. Uh, you, you chased your passion. You didn't chase dollars. Something that I'm I'm huge into. Uh, the the whole podcast medium, as you as you describe it, it is an interesting media component because it's so long. And yet you can consume it at your leisure and you can multitask why you listen to it. I know for, for me personally, I listen to so many podcasts and I hit pause and write shit down that I that makes me think or that I want to dig in on later. So I guess I'm just saying I'm with you. Podcasts are here to stay. You have this iron council, which really perks my ears up because I know fellowship, iron sharpening iron, and as men, accountability because we are terrible in many ways, and we need to be held accountable, especially in this technological age where there's a lot of bad stuff at our fingertips. How did that develop? What does that look like? I'm really interested. Yeah. Again, like I, sometimes I hesitate to even share it because it didn't like start with this thing. Like, I'm going to start this iron council brotherhood and I'm going to have thousands of people. No, it didn't start like that at all. My wife one day, I, so I was doing my financial planning practice and I was doing uh, the order of man podcast. And my wife appropriately called me out and said, Hey, you're doing more of this order of man stuff and not so much financial planning. And that's great. You seem really happy and fulfilled and satisfied, but it's taking away income from the family household. And she, she wasn't working. She was staying at home. So she wasn't working outside of the house. And since we started having kids, she's always been at home, which has been a beautiful blessing for us. Uh, But she was right. Like family household income was suffering. So she said to me, I remember vividly, you either ought to figure out a way to make money doing it or like scale back. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you know me, I'm not scaling back. If I go, I go. So I'm not scaling back. If anything, I'm doubling down on this thing. And, and uh, I was listening to a podcast. This was probably like middle of 2015. And one of the guys was like, Hey, a great way to monetize your blog or your website is to start a course, to do a course. So I'm like, cool. That sounds good. I've never done this before. That sounds good to me. So I put together a curriculum. It was a 12 week course. And what we did is we focused on six subjects over the 12 weeks. So every two weeks we focus on one particular subject. And I don't really even remember at this point what the subjects were, but I made this available. And all I had really ready was I had a Facebook group. Uh, I had the first the first course, the first two weeks kind of documented about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to hit on. And I made this available and I said, it's a hundred bucks. I got room for 12 people and I sold it out overnight. I was like, Oh, so this is like a legitimate thing. I'd never made money online before. Like everything I'd ever done was either brick and mortar in my retail business uh, or having somebody come a client sit down face to face and invest 
you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars with me, but I never did anything where people didn't know me online. And so that's really what unlocked this concept of digital marketing and how powerful it can be. Uh, so we did that for about 12 weeks. And then I had the guys were like eight weeks into it, about halfway into it a little bit longer. We're like, Hey, what do we do after this? Like, I don't, I don't know what we do. <laughs> like, I haven't even thought about it. So then we opened up the iron council to, to more closely what it is today. And we had, you know, hundred guys sign up hundred guys the next year, 200, the next year, 300, the next year. And, you know, we're bumping right up against a thousand members at this point. So, and, and, you know, there's other things that we've done. Like we've grown out our merchandise store and uh, we do live events like next year in 2022, I think we have four, no five, we have five events scheduled for 2022 three of them are completely sold out already. It's wild, man. I never would have imagined this in my wildest dreams, but it's a testament to what you said earlier about just follow it, you know? And somebody asked me on one of the podcasts that we did. In fact, I recorded it this morning. They were talking about like, how do you know when it's time to make a change? And I've always been pretty intuitive. Like you just feel it, you know? And then, and then what we end up doing, I think for the most part is talking ourselves out of it. Like you feel like you should do something and then you start coming up with the excuses. Like, uh, for, for example, when we moved out here to Maine, I had so many of my friends in Utah say, well, you know, I wish I could do that. I would love to do that. But this, but that, but I have responsibilities, but I have a job, but my kids, but my bills. I'm like, man, I had that same stuff too. Like that isn't something I didn't have. I had friends, I had responsibilities. We lived in the house. We bought my wife's grandparents' house. Her grandfather built that home with his neighbor, with his own two hands. We had stuff too, but that comes back to the trade-offs and just trying to figure out a way to make it work and a way to make it happen and get rid of the excuses and just realize that if there's something that you're thinking about doing, I think we owe it to our creator to at least take a step in that direction and see where it takes us. Mm. I feel that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk ourselves out of anything. I think that's just a natural human reflex uh, and everything. We, we can make excuses and there's guys like you that come up here and show us, no, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on myself. And I like people who invest in themselves. I think you're your best investment when it comes to health and fitness, wellness, um, anything that's going to make you the best possible version of yourself. My question is, what is order a man? Like what is your bullet points? This is your mission. You guys are out to do what exactly Ryan? So my mission is if I, if I were to say it succinctly, I would say to equip men with the tools and the resources, conversations, direction, guidance, they need to, become more capable fathers, husbands, business owners, and community leaders. And, you know, I know that's really broad, uh, but I like it like that because it allows us to look for areas in which men need to be served and fill those gaps. So for example, one area that I haven't really hit on ever up until relatively recently is the family court system. Uh, and, and I've had a lot of guys, fathers, who have gone through horrible divorces, who have lost custody rights, who have lost family battles. And I've really begun to see how stacked the family court system is against men. And so we started hitting on this and I've had a couple of guys on the podcast to talk about this. Well, you know, this is a big focus of, of 2022. I think there's a real dismissal at a minimum from society in general uh, of, of not only masculinity, but the nuclear family. 
And so when I keep our mission broad, which is to equip men with what they need to thrive as husbands, fathers, business owners, community leaders, I can look for these things and say, okay, well, that's a problem. You know, if we have millions of men in this country who are ostracized from their young boys and girls, and they're not leading them as fathers, that's a problem. That's not a problem just for them or their kids. It's a societal issue. And so we're trying to fill those gaps where we see them. And I think that's why we've been able to grow to the level that we have and why we will continue to grow and evolve and adapt and build what we are already. Mm. So when you're talking about all these men that you've basically had some sort of fingerprint on in the last five, six years, what do you think are the most common urgent needs of men today versus men 10 years ago? Like, what are we facing that is preventing us from being the best men of faith, men who focus on the, put their marriage first, men who are truly like there for their children and discipline their children? Like, I know that's a tough, big can of worms, but like you're out there in the trenches, Ryan. What are the biggest Goliaths that we're facing right now? So, you know, one of the things I've seen a lot of guys struggle with is confidence. That That's like one of the biggest things is confidence. And we can get down a whole rabbit hole on this, but, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, I, I don't have any level of confidence. And what they seem to believe is that some men just inherently have confidence. You know, they might look at you, Dan, or look at me and think, well, he's a confident guy. How come he can be confident? Well, the reason is, is because you and I have earned that right. You know, you like, you don't, you're not just born with confidence, ego, bravado, arrogance, maybe sure. You know, you can manufacture and fake that to some degree, but confidence is genuine. It's real. It's authentic and you have to earn it. So, so I've spent a lot of time on the surface of like, okay, well, how do you develop confidence? And really the answer is doing the things, you know, you should be doing like all men know to some degree, you know, I, I know you're big into the fitness world, for example, it's like, okay, well, like every guy knows what to do right? Like that's not to dismiss what you do and what you provide, but like everybody knows now, are they doing it? No. That's why guys like you and me are so important because we're help bridging that gap between what men know they should be doing and, and women as well and what they're actually doing. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And, and there's something at large that's happening in society that's causing some of this problem, not all of it, but some of it. And that is this general broad sense of the undermining of masculinity. You know, if you look at pop culture, if you look at entertainment, you look at just culture at large, trying to conflate masculinity and femininity, men and women, they're interchangeable. Man means woman, woman means man. None of them actually mean anything. You know, you look at the entertainment industry and you see that every man that's ever portrayed as a bumbling buffoon who can't even tie his own shoes, let alone lead his family effectively. And so, and then you look, there's, there's some great research by a couple of uh, notable authors. One is Dr. Warren Farrell. He wrote a book called the boy crisis. Another one by the name of Dr. Leonard Sachs that wrote uh, boys, or excuse me, why gender matters and boys adrift. And they're talking about the problems that we're seeing not only societally, but also in the school system. So now this is happening at a very young age. And what we're seeing young boys do is become overly medicated, right? Because the, the uh, administration is considering that these individuals are not being good students because they're exercising their masculinity, maybe not in constructive ways, but it is masculinity nonetheless. And so they think, well, we just need to sedate these boys. And so they pump full of drugs. And so what you do, what you have now, and then also on couple that with this rise of fatherless homes and the fatherless generation, it's only going to get worse. So now we have quite literally millions of young men growing up 
thinking that masculinity and manliness is inherently toxic and that it's bad and it's destructive and they shouldn't act like that. And we want you to act more like women and we, we want you to sit down and shut up and be good little girls. They're telling that to boys. And so is it any wonder that men aren't confident? You know, it's funny because then at the same time, you have a bunch of people asking questions like, where have all the real men gone? Well, you conditioned it out of them. And now they're so confused and they're so lost and they don't know what, who they are. They, they have a sense of who they are, but they don't know how to harness it and they're lost. And so it's no wonder to me that so many men are dealing with confidence issues. And it's not going to be until we learn to step up. We learn to embrace who we are. We learn to harness our masculinity uh, that, that we actually begin to live a life of meaning. And that life of meaning is service to other people. But that's what you're doing. You know, you, you do things that, that sure you enjoy doing, of course, but also you're teaching other people how to lead a meaningful life through physical fitness, through mental capability, through a, a, a great, not only pastime, but a skill set that's much needed, which is hunting. You're, you're providing that outwards. And it's not any surprise to me that you're a confident individual because you believe that about yourself. You know who you are. Uh, and you're willing to share with other people. So I know it's really broad and really general, but these are some of the issues that guys are dealing with. And it's rough, man. It's really, really rough. I, when I started this in 2015, uh, my mother-in-law was kind of like scoffed at it a little bit, not mean spirited at all, but was like, oh, guys don't need that. And I said, well, that's easy for you to say because your husband's a man. Your father is a man. Those are two of the most manly men I know but I didn't grow up without a dad. Like, I don't, I don't know how to change a tire. I don't know how I've never been hunting. Yeah. I didn't grow up doing that. So I had to learn all those things. She didn't get it because she'd been exposed to it, but there's millions and millions of people across the planet that have never been exposed to it. And, you know, she's now one of our biggest advocates because she sees how powerful it is when you help boys and men, males, I should say, harness it all and turn into men. It's very powerful and it's very fulfilling and rewarding for me too. Wow. Well, I love that you're in an era where you can reach audiences that you could not have done 15, 20 years ago through digital media. I love it. But there is a there is a thing and I want to ask you about this because I follow you on Instagram. I know you're getting shadow banned. I know it because I I don't see your stuff. I have to find you sometimes. And I'm sure I will at some point as well. But Instagram is not your number one like this is how my business thrives. You, you ha- you're multifaceted and I'm sure you're already planning for the future, but bro, like have you tell our listeners about what you've experienced as of late. I've noticed you've been more outspoken on a, so, you know, definitely with COVID and some other topics. Obviously <laughs> there's nothing you've said. I haven't disagreed with. I, I, I loved it, but I I've seen your post lately, Matt. So where, what is that going to do to your future and how are you preparing yourself to flex because that's that's what that's what businessmen do that's what entrepreneurs do is they don't stand still they flex they move they shift yeah no it's a great point and you're right i mean we get shadow banned i the big tech doesn't like us government doesn't like us and every time i say that people say oh you're playing the victim look guys it's not victim mentality to point out some of the issues that that you're dealing with what what is victim mentality is pointing it out and then doing nothing about it Right. If you're just, oh, if you're just whining and bitching and moaning and complaining about big tech or data or government or this or that, and you're not willing to step up, then yeah, you know, that that's that's victimhood mentality. But 
you actually hit on it earlier. You were talking about excuses and then you use the, the word reason. Like we have, we have reasons and we have excuses. And I actually think those two things are different. An excuse, excuse is something that, Hey, I can't do this. Fill in your excuse of choice, period. Like end of story, end of discussion, conversation over. The reason is, Hey, I haven't been able to do this because of X, Y, and Z. So therefore here's what I'm going to do. It leads you into progress. It leads you into doing something that's going to resolve the issue. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons that we're being shadow banned. There's a lot of reasons why we aren't experiencing the reach that we should. And what I envision is as powerful as digital technology has been for us in reaching the masses, what I envision is a day where you could go to any city or any state or any region and you can jump onto our website and you could find any day of the week a dozen or 50 or 100 guys getting together, whether that's at the range or they've got a book club or they're meeting at their church congregation uh, or they're out for a bowling night or they have a fight night and they're inviting 10 of their buddies over and they're using our resources, the book, the podcast, the information, the blog, the blog, the, all the stuff. And they're formulating conversations and they're getting together face to face. And I really want to enlist an army literally of men, millions of men across the planet that aren't just listening to me on a podcast, but they're getting together in local and regional groups and having face-to-face interaction while not only they have that interaction, but they're also shoulder to shoulder and they're facing outwards towards uh, a common objective or against a common enemy. So maybe they're noticing there's a lot of uh, young men in their community who don't have father figures. And so these guys then go out and they mentor their young boys uh, or they teach them how to hunt or you know, they put on courses through the community programs uh, or they coach their little league sports teams or they show up to school to be able to keep these guys in check and in line and teach them like men do. But that's what I envision is, OK, we've got this digital platform. Now, how do we take the, the leverage, the digital side of it and, and, and bring it face to face? And that's what I'd really like to work towards and am working towards in 2022. Mm, that's powerful, especially like the whole cohort concept of, you know, this, you know, 11, 12 dudes getting together and building upon a foundation of shared belief, um, hopefully some shared suffering through some jujitsu, some training, whatever, where iron can sharpen iron and, and folks can and get out there and, and like you said, do your ultimate purpose, which is to serve at the end of the day, called to serve and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So my next my next question is, you are, uh, darn you, you brought up your book. I was going to get to your book, but I mean, tell me about this book. I actually had a guy who teaches fiscal fitness at my elk shape camps. We actually talk about money. We take our financial clothes off and help these guys understand hunting's expensive. And you do not have the right to put your family in a detriment uh, because of your selfish pursuit of hunting. That's not cool. So I actually literally bring a guy named Jeff Bynum to all my camps to just go over hunt budgets and how to get sound fiscally. And he had your book at the airport and uh, he was reading it. And that's that literally was the same camp where I met Clint. And I'm like, I need to talk to this guy. I'm, I'm literally. So it's cool. What is the name of your book and what is it about? So I wrote uh, so it's called Sovereignty, the battle for the hearts and minds of men. And 
what I, what I noticed, so this was in 2018. So we've got actually another book coming out next year. We can talk a little bit about that, but in 2018, I wrote sovereignty. Uh, and what I noticed is that there was a bunch of men, I'll say it this way, a bunch of males. And there's a distinction. There is a clear distinction between a male and a man. We can talk about that, but I saw a bunch of males who were relinquishing control over their own lives. They were doing it consciously. They were doing it subconsciously. They were giving it to their wife or their boss to their employer, even their kids, the government, the president. And, and it's, it's summed up by this. When you blame other people for your circumstances, what a man is doing is he's relinquishing his sovereignty. Okay. So let's say, for example, Dan, I said that the reason that like I worked for you, let's say I worked for you. And I said, well, you know, the reason I'm not getting ahead is because, you know, my, my boss is an asshole and he's not helping me promote. Okay. Well, I just gave you all of the control over my, my own life because now what I need you to do is I need you to change in order for my life to change. And what are the odds that you're going to change? They're not likely. Zero. Exactly. <laughs> so we need to change ourselves and stop saying that the reason you're not ahead in your business is because your boss is an asshole. It's not your marriage isn't thriving because your wife is a bitch. Your church congregation isn't stalemating because uh, your, your, your pastor is weak. It's you. It's because of you. You're not getting ahead because you're not doing something. Your marriage is not thriving because you're not being the type of husband that you ought to be and that you could be. Your church congregation is not thriving because you're not ministering the way that you should. It's you. And when you start to do that, and that's the topic of the second book, when you start to do that and you take control of your own life, then you start to have influence with other people. And they acknowledge it and they see it. When you change as a husband, your wife will change as a wife. When you change as an employee, your employer will change. When you change as a member of your congregation, your pastor and the members of your congregation will change. But it starts with you. And so that's what the book is all about. It's about struggling to capture that sovereignty back and then how to harness it and how to wield it. But really, it's about yourself. And then the second book is, okay, now I've taken control of my own life. Now, how do I turn that outwards to be able to influence other people, inspire them, gain credibility and authority and influence in their lives and lead outwards as a man? I'm fired up. I love it. Uh, I think we all can admit that at a certain point in our life, seasons, weeks, days, hourly, we will we will try to put that blame on somebody else and, and we'll try to relinquish some sort of sovereignty through, like you said, excuses or even reasons, but ultimately we're, we're not taking control. And I always say like you can control your effort and your attitude, but it actually goes way above and beyond that. Um, you can control your actions and your actions are the only thing that really will dictate change, not bitching to your buddy about your boss or how lousy your wife is, but by taking action, starting with you know, looking within it's very difficult to do. What are a couple of steps that you can do to can maybe start this process besides read the book? But like, what can you do to start being like, oh shit, these guys are actually talking about me. I haven't been looking at myself. I've been looking at other people and, and shifting the blame. Like, how do you kind of get that ball rolling, Ryan? Yeah. So I, it, it takes some intentionality and it takes some conscious and deliberate thought, which frankly, unfortunately, a lot of people don't do. Like we're stuck in the rat wheel of, of life. Like think about... 
think about the average person's life. You know, they get up with just enough time to maybe brush their teeth, shower, grab a bite to eat on the way out of the door. They might go sit in traffic for half an hour or two hours. They get into work. They've got a stack of papers a mile high. It's work. They don't particularly enjoy or love. Somebody else has got their thumb over them telling them, Hey, you got to get this done by this time. They get home. They, they still sit in that two hours on the way home. Their kids are bouncing on them. They pat their head because they're tired and exhausted, rightfully so. Mentally, they're just drained. Um, you know, maybe they have like mediocre sex with their wife if they're in the mood, maybe if that happens at all. Um, and then they go to bed late, maybe after a couple of drinks, and then they wake up and do it all over again. It's like, well, tell me where in that existence you're going to spend any time thinking about an alternate reality for yourself. And that's the first step. Like if you're not satisfied with where you are, you've got to, you've got to press pause on the game for a minute. And I'm not saying forever. I'm just saying for a minute, like you got to time, hey, time out, hold on. Let me catch my bearings. Cause this isn't working. And so we pause the game and I encourage people to do that daily. And you think about what life could be like, that's the vision component of what we talk about. So you start to visualize, Hey, in an ideal world, how am I showing up for my kids? Well, I get home. I'm energized. The first thing we do is we go play catch or I've got some jujitsu mats in the front room and we train jujitsu together. Uh, we sit down as a family. I ask about their day in an ideal world as a husband, I'm engaged with my wife. We're connected we carve out time every day to be able to have conversations when we're intimate with each other. It's deep and meaningful and significant as, as an employee or an owner of my company, I'm engaged in my work. I'm excited to get up every day because I'm passionate about what I'm doing and what opportunities will present themselves and who I have the opportunity to serve. Like who's having conversations like that? Very few people. Right. And then what we do is we look at the gap between the two and this is a sobering reality and it sucks but you got to look at where you are and where you want to be. So you start to visualize. And I do this every day. You visualize. You, then you identify where you are. And then we have this gap. And this is what I call the integrity gap. I alluded to it earlier. The gap between who you want to be and where you currently are. And then it's a matter of coming up with a plan to bridge that gap. we got to build a bridge. So how do we do that, right? Like what objectives do I need to accomplish? And I work in, personally, I work in 12 week segments. So I have a planner that I use that, that we've created, but it's a 12 week bridge building planner is what it is. And so here's who I want to be in the next 12 weeks. Here's who I am today. Here's the objectives I need to do. And then this goes to your point earlier about the things that we do on a daily basis. Once we have our objectives, then we whittle it down to tactics. So let me give you a very simple answer to this or, 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 or a system that I personally have for the next 12 weeks for my own life. So I just told you I'm writing a book that that's going to be released in 2022. Okay. I have a vision of what that book's going to be. I have a vision of who that's going to impact and how that's going to advance our mission, but also serve the men that we're trying to serve. So the, so that's my vision. The objective is to complete the book in the next 90 days to have it done so that it can go to publishing and do the editing and design and marketing and all that stuff. Okay. In order for it to be done in 90 days, what do I have to do? And for me, it's, I have to write about a thousand words based on where I am now and where I want to be a thousand words per day, period. So now all I have to do is write a thousand words a day. I don't have to think about where I want to be. I don't have to think about my objectives. 
all I have to do is write a thousand words per day. And if I do that, I win today. And then tomorrow I'm going to win tomorrow because I'm going to write a thousand words and so on and so forth. So it's a very, it's a very pragmatic approach to bridging the gap between again, who we want to be and who we currently are. Baku e-bikes. These guys provide awesome e-bikes for the mountains. I use them out west, specifically logging roads. They have more torque than any other e-bike competitor. They're built for hunters by hunters. They're an awesome brand to work with out of Salt Lake City. Check them out at Baku.com. BlackOvis.com is where I buy all my hunting gear. I have a discount code that I use myself. It is elk shape. It takes 10% off. Their shipping is fast and free. Their selection is vast and deep. Go to blackovis.com. Check out their full lineup of clothing, footwear, optics, archery, arrows, camping, and all the brands. Spy Point Trail Cameras, the world's number one cellular trail camera brand. Extremely affordable. My favorite is the Link Micro LTE, the smallest, best value camera dependable, reliable, go to spypoint.com and check out all their options when it comes to trail cameras and accessories. Kafaru International, my good homeboy, Aaron Snyder and Frank the Tank. These guys are American made, 100%. I typically use the Hoodlum, the 22 Mag or the Striker XL in the backcountry. The frame is second to none. Head over to Kufaru International. Be sure to check out their packs, their frames, tents, shelters, sleeping systems, stoves, lots of accessories, as well as closeouts. You won't be disappointed. Matthews Archery. Introducing the all-new V3X. You have a 29 and 33 option. These guys are out of Sparta, Wisconsin. Head over to MatthewsInc.com. Click the bow builder and start customizing your next awesome bow hunting rig. Crispy USA. Head over to crispyus.com, peruse the vast selection of awesome boots from mountaineering, backpacking, and of course, my favorite, the Colorado GTX for elk hunting. There are also some good options for everyday wear, like my daily driver, the Ativa Mid GTX. And then if you're into stocking like I am, look no further than the Laponia GTX. Check out the core boot lineup. Everything starts from the ground up on your next adventure. Choose wisely. Be sure to check out crispyus.com. Mm. Yep, man. Being pragmatic and bridging gaps really is the ultimate for for what we're going to be doing come January, when everybody will probably press pause on the game and look at it, specifically look at their fitness level, their aesthetics, their confidence level. As you mentioned earlier, where yeah, they don't probably don't feel that good about the way they look. They certainly don't feel good about how bad they feel. Low energy, low testosterone, low whatever, low libido, low ambition, a pragmatic approach is to figure out, well, what does that look like for you? Like, where do you want to be with your energy levels and your physical fitness and your mental toughness and your discipline? And you, you maybe do a 12 week cycle, which I think is the perfect three months. And that is what you want to get to. And then you work your way backwards and you whittle it down to the tiniest steps that you need to do on a daily basis when it comes to your training a training bout, your recovery, your nutrition, your sleep. And so one thing feeds off through another, like success breeds success. So what is a good formula, Ryan, to bridge gaps to multiple, like multiple destinations that really ultimately bring you to the best version of yourself? How Help my listeners prioritize, if you can, what like an order of man, like for me, and I'll just share is faith first, then family then fitness, then finances. And, and people kind of look at me, we're like, really fine. Like, 
what I'm saying is I'm not a money chaser. I'm a time chaser. How, how would you formulate that? Not putting words in your mouth. Like what is the order of man so that they can bridge this gap and get the visualization for really what they want to be in 12 weeks? It's, it's actually not all that different than what you said. So I'll get to it, but there's one other thing I wanted to share. So you were talking about in January and I don't know when you're going to publish this podcast, but as of the recording, we're at the end of November. So we've got about a month, a little over a month before January. And yeah, that's typically where people start thinking about uh, what do I want this year to look like? But the analogy that I use is I want you to consider for a second, an airplane, you know, when, when, when an airplane is taking off, when is the most inefficient time in, in that journey of an airplane. Well, it's right when it takes off, right? It's the heaviest. It's got the most fuel right when it takes off. So that makes it heavy. It's got, it's, it's fighting gravity. There's friction that it's dealing with. There's turbulence. That's the most inefficient time in a flight for an airplane. The most efficient time is when they get up to cruising altitude, frictions less reduced, right? Gas is going down. So weight's heavier. They're above the atmosphere. They might get into a jet stream. It's it, their cruising altitude is very, very efficient, right? Well, if you're waiting until January to take off, it might take you 30 days to get through that takeoff. And then all, all of a sudden you're one twelfth of, of the way into the year and you haven't even reached cruising out. You're not even efficient yet. So what I would suggest is that people do that today and go through that takeoff, that turbulence, that rough, inefficient time so you can catch your bearings and get to cruising altitude so that when January 1st hits, you're already going. Like you're already moving. You're already doing your workouts. You're already eating right. You're already dealing with your finances. You're getting your spirituality locked in. You're reading good books. You're connecting with good people. And you're actually starting to see the results of that effort. So that's what I would say. Now, to go back to what you said about what's the framework, very similar. So the, the way that I paint it is number one is I talk about calibration. So you said faith. Faith for me falls into calibration. Calibration is about getting right with yourself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Because unless you can do that, nothing else is going to be as efficient than making sure that the way you feel about yourself, why you're here, who you are as not just a human, but a soul, an eternal soul is very much in alignment. So calibration is number one. Number two, you said family. I say connections. Family's a part of that. There might be friendships that you want to work on. There might be extended relationships with a boss or an employee that you really want to focus on for the quarter. But again, very much in alignment. It's your connections. Number three, you said fitness. I say condition. It's the same thing. Physical fitness, strength, stamina, nutrition, sleep, et cetera. And then number four is you said finances and hunting. I think you said, I, I've used the term contribution. You also said you're not a money chaser. I'm not a money chaser. I'm a, I'm a, a value adder. If you would have to say it some way, right? Like add value and then money will come as a result of that. So Zig Ziglar, he's a, he's a, he's, he's passed away now. You know, he is. Okay. So Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, you will inevitably get what you want. So if you want to make more money, help people period. And you can help them by teaching them how to dial in hunting or fitness or teaching them how to be more capable men uh, or teaching them how to build websites or take pictures or whatever, coach, speak on stage, whatever it is. You help enough people, you're going to inevitably get what you want. So contribution for us, that last quadrant is what I call it, revolves around 
uh, getting your finances, adding value into the world, building up that empire, like you said earlier. So our, our formulas, they're the same, man. Like we call them different things, but it's all the same because success leads clues wherever it goes. And we might call it something a little different, but it's all the same framework. Ryan, I like you, man. Like you are, um, man, it's just nice to talk to somebody who, um, knows their vision is an, and is basically executing. I want to finish this podcast with talking about bow hunting specifically. You have a bow. Yeah. You, you definitely killed a nice buck this year. I don't know how many animals you've killed, but that meat is in the freezer at home. Family is going to eat it. How did you get into hunting, man? Yeah. So I had a friend reach, he reached out to me, um, I'll do the shortened version. He reached out and said, Hey man, like, I know you've never been hunting. I want to take you. I've got a buddy that's uh, wanting to manage some land in Texas and we got to get rid of some bucks, excuse me, some bucks. Do you want to come out and hunt? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have a, a rifle, a hunting rifle. Uh, I, I've got some tactical rifles and stuff, but I don't have a hunting rifle. I don't have a bow. He's like, I know that's why I want to take you. So here's what you need. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Let's just do it. And I went out there and the first day we sat, I shot this deer right here, right above me, in fact. So <laughs> yes. kind of a weird, kind of a weird, freaky deer, you know, and that's what they were trying to get rid of. Like they didn't want that on their property, yep. a nice mature buck, but weird and strange and bad genetics. So that was the first deer that I shot. Um, and then, and I shot that with my, my rifle. And then the second or third day I shot another buck with my bow. Uh, and then I've really been hooked ever since. So, you know, I've been on bow and rifle elk hunts. Um, that's, a uh, sheep that I shot on the big Island of Hawaii. I shot a goat on Hawaii this year. I shot a really rad buck that I've been working on for like four years. I finally made it happen in Minnesota a couple of months ago. Um, I saw a picture of that book. That was an awesome deer. That thing is rad. He was 300 pounds. I didn't make a great shot on him. I shot him far, pretty far back and long story short, we found him. He was bedded down. He was hurting. I shot him again at like 15 yards and he got up and he charged me and it was awesome. You're kidding. <laughs> I, I shot him and he jumped up and I don't think he was running like at me as much as he was a little delirious and didn't know what was going on. And he charged and I got my bow in one hand and I'm like, Oh crap. And I dodged, he was 290 pounds. Um, and it was awesome. It was such a cool night. And I was with good friends, guys I've been hunting with for four or five years now. It's one of my most memorable hunts ever. Mm, a 290 pound whitetail is so significant. Uh, it's hard to even imagine that's like Canadian whitetail almost. Um, tell me about an elk hunt, like with a bow. Like when did you hear your first elk bugle? Um, I actually, so the first elk hunt I ever went on was probably, gosh, 15 years ago, 14, 15 years ago. It wasn't my hunt. I wasn't hunting. Uh, my father-in-law drew a really nice tag in a special unit in Southern Utah and ended up shooting uh, an elk that scored almost 400 points out of that unit. And it was amazing. You know, I moved to Utah when I was 13 years old and the first elk I ever saw, we were going up the Canyon, we we're doing some off-roading and there was a spike elk that we came around the bend. He was just standing there 
And I was blown away. I had no idea that they were that big, just this incredible animal. And so, um, yeah, so that was the first elk hunt that I ever went on when I heard that bugle and I've done some other hunts. I did a rifle elk hunt that I wasn't successful on last year. Um, we got into them, but unfortunately we couldn't, couldn't put it away and make it happen. I went on a bow hunt, a one day bow hunt with a friend of mine. He had like a depredation tag for some private land he had. It was a cow elk tag that we had and we got into them, but they were all over the place and bouncing all over. And I was drawn up on one. And right as I drew up, I heard something behind me. I'm like, what is that? And so still drawn, I turned around and there was this little, uh, two point, uh, mule deer that just like bounded right past me and scared them all away. So it didn't work out, but it was still an awesome experience. I don't know, man, obviously you want to put it together and you want to put meat in the freezer, but the experiences I've had over the past four or five years, you can't, they just can't be overstated. They're, they're absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's all evolving and it's not going anywhere. It's not going downhill. It's only going up and elevating in adventure and time. I, I know so, man, it's just the best, best way to procure meat and chase adventure. So did you get coached up on in archery at all, or did you kind of just pick it up yourself? Like how'd you do it proper? Yeah. So, um, again, my friend Colin Cottrell took me hunting my first, my first hunt and he taught me some things. And then from there, it was really self guided, self learned with the help mostly of Dudley. And I, I know, you know, Dudley, um, I've been to a couple of his, his clinics that he's done in Utah through total archery challenge when she, when he does the day or two before the VIP experience, I've been to a couple of those, um, you know, occasionally I'll shoot him a text. I'm like, Hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I go through it. Like I've gone through his, you know, um, uh, what is it? School knock, of knock, knock to school of knock. Thank you. School of knock program. So a lot of it's just self-taught self-learned through, that instruction on YouTube, you know, just self-guided, I, I guess, maybe not self-learned, but self-guided, I guess would be maybe the more appropriate way of saying it. Yeah. Well, Lord knows how many more out West adventures are in your future, but I mean, it, once you get exposed, you're, you're coming back. It's just inevitable. And, and honestly, the, the coolest thing you talked about on today's podcast for me, and we didn't talk about it very much is man in the making. Cause I have a five-year-old son and I'm constantly questioning me as a father, uh, in self-reflection. I'm constantly saying like, are you spending enough time with your son? Are you a good example? Uh, do you watch your language in front of your children? Do you make sure that you are protecting them from what they see? Um, and you know, with Jocko coming out with some children books that are really cool and teach kids about how to be how to take control of this life. And then now you have your son engaged. And I don't know if you guys caught that. The kid bought a $4,000 domain out of his own money. And he, and that will be the greatest investment he'll ever make. I guarantee it. Like it's going to be something. I'm so excited about that. I know you talked about some cool stuff, right? But I am more excited about man in the making. Yeah, man, we're excited about it. Um, you know, I, I said it earlier, I didn't really, I didn't have a permanent father figure in my life as I was growing up. And so I, I really floundered as a young man, especially as I got older into my, my, my teenage years. And I would see my buddies hanging out with their dads. And I, I envisioned it. I'm sure it wasn't like this, but in my head, I envisioned this memory of, you know, their dad playing baseball in the field and the white picket fence and all that. And I was like, man, look at these relationships. I saw, I, I, I when I moved to Utah, it was a very, 
it was a, it was a community that was like revolved around hunting and I had never been exposed to it before. I remember the first year that we were there right around fall time, we had fall break for school, but it was actually, it wasn't fall break. They called it that it was opening week break of the hunt season is really what it was. <laughs> yep. And you know, right. You know, it's like, and so, um, all the boys were going out with their dads. Hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? Oh, we're going hunting up to here. My uncles and my grandpa and my dad are going to be there. I'm like, I don't know what that's like at all. And, and it was, it was really funny because that weekend we'd see all the deer hanging. Everybody in Southern Utah has an outdoor basketball hoop in their yard. And so we saw all the deer hanging from the basketball hoop and we're like, where do we, cause we moved from Southern California. So we're like, where did we move? Like, look at this place. <laughs> um, but you know, like, so, so the point I was making is I grew up without a father figure. There's millions of other guys. There's hundreds of thousands of men that I've personally talked to that have gone through that same experience. And, you know, it's hard enough to try to make yourself into a man, but then you get to this point where you have a five-year-old, I've got four kids and it's like, okay, well, I, I feel like I'm trying to get a grasp on who I am as a man. But then I also have this other little kid behind me that I got to help raise him into a man. Like I can't even do it for myself, let alone how in the world do I do this for my, my boy? So those are the conversations we're going to have. And we're going to talk about girls and sex and drugs and peer pressure and his first powerlifting competition with, he just got done with about a month ago. Like we're going to talk about it all. And my hope is that our conversations will give a little bit of fodder to other fathers that want to have conversations as they usher their own boys into manhood as well. Black Rifle Coffee Company, established in 2014. Veteran-owned, proudly American. They support two-way, they support hunting, and coffee is life if you're just like me. Head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com, click the coffee club, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 15%, and have fresh new flavors of coffee delivered to your doorstep every month. Wilderness Athlete. I met the founder in 2006. I've been in love with this company ever since. They make a tremendous amount of products, not only for in the field, but during the off season when you're training and they got you covered when it comes to supplementing your nutritional intake. Look no further than the Hydrate Recover, whether you want to get tubs or the packets, energy and focus, meal replacements, daily strength protein, brute force pre-workouts, caffeine free and with stimulant, altitude advantage, joint advantage, omega-3 fish oil, and a bunch more head over to wildernessathlete.com and if you've never bought anything from them before make sure you enter the discount code elkshape30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase vortex optics proud partner since 2010 everything from rifle scopes binoculars range finders vortex wear and backed with their vip warranty unlimited unconditional you break it they'll fix it veteran owned proudly american head over to vortexoptics.com check out their vortex wear fit for everywhere use the discount code elkshape take 20 percent off your scouting everyday wear clothing and thank you vortex for supporting elkshape for over 10 years on x hunt the number one hunting gp app you should join the millions of hunters who trust onyx including myself to find more honey holes discover new access and to be confident and know where you stand use the discount code elkshape to save 20 percent off an elite membership get all 50 states be able to scout from a desktop and your phone everything syncs you can go to 3d mode onyx hunt is the cornerstone to all of my public land hunting success check it out at onyxmaps.com Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. 
Bucknives has a wide variety of blade sharpness, lengths, finish, materials, whether they're serrated, carry systems, handle material, engravable, so many different accessories. Bucknives has been in the game since 1902. They have a forever warranty and they proudly support Elk Shape. We ask that you check out bucknives.com and proudly support American-made knives that help you break down your animal in the backcountry. NUMA Outdoors, use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your clothing. NUMA has base layers, headwear, jackets, mid-layers, outer pants, shirts, and vests. Check out the Pursuit Pant, the Renegade, Quarter Zip, Pullover, the Palisade, Puffy, the Alpha Vertex Jacket, and the sleek lineup of base layers, Base Haven, Quarter Zip, Pullover, as well as Base Haven Pants. I can promise you we do. We do want to have those conversations. And, you know, I, I, I was blessed with a father who's tried to call me twice now in this whole podcast. Uh, but my uh, my dad is uh, like my best friend. And looking back, he was there for me every step of the way, literally creating a template uh, that has a big shadow. I, I am like, dang, dad, you set the bar high. I hope I can try to be the father you were. And so... You and I come from two completely different backgrounds, yet we can still admit to this day, like, we don't have this fathering thing figured out. We still don't have this being a man thing figured out, but we're at least talking about it. We're openly engaging with each other to try to help us become the best possible versions of ourselves, man. I want to thank you, Ryan, for your time. I know how busy you are. My podcast has 1 million downloads and not 45 million. And so for you to take... Still, dude. Oh, man. I don't... Yeah, comparison is not going to thieve my joy. I am proud of that. And uh, I just think I love what you're doing and I want... Hopefully somebody listening today didn't know about you and now does and can dive in and get some... I mean, you dropped some knowledge today. So thank you so much for your time and your energy, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, thank you. I'm. I'm always honored to have these conversations. And you know, to your point about being able to have these types of conversations, occasionally people will say, you know, like, hey, what makes you qualified to talk about this stuff? And I, look, I've never put myself on a pedestal. I don't belong. I don't. I don't believe myself to be the epitome of masculinity. I, I guess the only thing I would say that qualifies me to even talk about some of these things is the fact that guys like you and me are willing to talk about it. And we're willing to have conversations. We're willing to admit where we're short or even also where, where we are strong. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but it's the conversations, man. So anytime I get to have a cool conversation with the guys like you, I'm all about it. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Okay. Well, next year, if you come to a TAC event, see if we can get you up to maybe the Montana one. You, you got Have you been to the TAC in Montana yet? Not in Montana. I've done... Uh, Park City and the other one, what is it, Snow Basin, mostly the Utah ones. I was going to do one in Vermont. uh, I think it was last, it was either last year, the year before, but they closed it down because of COVID. So I couldn't do that. But I've been wanting to become, uh, come to the Montana tax. So that's where you are then. Is that right? Yeah, I'm in Washington. Um, I try to do a couple couple every year and there might be one in Northern Idaho. I'm not probably supposed to say that, but uh, I know Sean and He's working on some stuff. But either way, I was thinking the best way for you and I to hang out would go shoot some arrows for a 25 target course and just kick it. That would be so much fun. I'd be all about it. I think um, I remember two years ago, I was really proud of myself. I did the 20 or 25 targets, whatever it was, on one arrow. And then last year, yeah, (laughs) for sure. uh, Last year, look, I'm not going to say they were all the best shots, but I hit 
foam on every single one of those targets a couple of years ago. Uh, last year, I think I went through two or three arrows. So I, I, I need some redemption. I need some redemption now. Oh man, I totally like, I remember Montana, I was smoking the course, like smoking the course, uh, kicking my buddies, but I was up by like a hundred points. We were keeping score, hadn't lost an arrow and their last target was some tiny gopher uphill, 83 yard shot. And I totally like I shot and I didn't even think I, I didn't think I missed it. And they're like, dude, your arrow's not in the foam. And I was like, well, I'm taking a mulligan on this one. I'm shooting another arrow. Missed it again. So talked 24 out of 25 targets, killing it, and then just humbled, uh, which is why I'm coming back. I love those events, man. They really, truly translate to the field. The pressure, the angles, the everything that we talk about. So please let me know which one you end up going to, man, and I'll flex. I will so. be good to connect. Cool. Guys, give Ryan a follow on Instagram, the one, you know, the place that shadow bans him. Don't let him. Uh, it's, it's at Ryan Mickler. Is that your Instagram? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Orderaman.com. All the things. If you haven't heard his podcast, check it out. He's got a book and he advertises goal book number two coming out in two years. So thousand words a day. You better get to going, man. Oh yeah. No, it's not, it's not two years. It's next year. And I oh, got to get this thing done <laughs> quick, bro. Like quick, uh, nothing like a deadline to make it happen. So thanks for your time, man. And you guys listening, remember separations in the preparation. You have a lot of options on podcasts. Thanks for choosing ours. We'll catch you on the next one. Okay, dokie guys. Hope you enjoyed that podcast with Ryan Mickler. Again, his son Brecken has his own podcast now called Man in the Making. Check that out. Ryan's got a new book coming out in 2022. Be on the lookout for that. Sounds like that thing's almost pinned. Excited for that. Orderman.com. You can check out his podcast, his store, his blogs. You can look into the Iron Council and you can just understand that this guy is the real deal and it's a breath of fresh air in my opinion. 2022 guys i hope you had a chance to sit down last week of december and maybe reflect on how 2021 went where the holes in your game were and how you're going to mitigate those and tackle those glaring weaknesses in your life evaluate your faith your family your fitness or your wellness your finances your hunting prowess your career everything be honest with yourself plan your work work your plan welcome to 2022 if you have any fitness needs and you want to do some at-home programs check out elkshape.com we have a few programs designed for dumbbell sandbags body weight 12-week program called 90 days to freedom if you have a full garage gym setup like myself this is the time of year to start creating or adding fuel to the fire of your own wellness separations in the preparation we'll catch you on the next one